0: And thank you for joining us today we are joined by ed dowd who uh, we've interviewed previously and from that interview or others that you likely have seen him in you may recognize that he is a former analyst with blackrock and i suspect most people on this site know blackrock is but they uh, are the largest manager of assets in the world uh, i think over 10 trillion which is more than any country in the world except for the united states and china and Ed worked for them for a while. He managed some funds. And because he can see trends before many other people, many of his peers and, and the public can, he was able to uh, grow the assets he had under managed from 2 billion to 14 billion. But then he decided he didn't want to be involved with that. And I'll let Ed tell his story, how he got to be involved in this crusade to expose the fraud and the basically the biggest. Murderous or crimes against humanity in the history of the world. Simple put. So um, I want to thank you uh, and uh, and uh, welcome you and thank you for joining us. And perhaps you can uh, start off. And we we have him on for his book today too. But 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 I, before we get into the book, I want you to help us understand why you pivoted from. Uh, I would assume a relatively lucrative position with BlackRock into this crusade that you're on, which is certainly not done for financial motivation because there's no benefit to it. Yeah,
1: no. Um, What uh, I left BlackRock about 10 years ago and moved to Maui with uh, my now ex-wife to become entrepreneurial and kind of, you know, get get away from the hustle and bustle of Wall Street. Uh, My uh, now, ex-wife started a business. I tried to start a couple. I'm currently trying to start a couple more now with a new hedge fund. But, you know, um, I yeah, had health issues uh, at the end of my BlackRock career, and I nursed myself back to health outside of the medical system. In fact, the medical system was part of the reason I uh, got into such bad shape. I had depression, uh, mild depression and anxiety, just mild Uh, saw a psychiatrist and a therapist. And then the next thing I know, I'm on all these drugs and I'm clinically depressed. So Mm -hmm. that was a long journey back. I'm not on any medications, nothing. Uh, I uh, do holistic approaches to my health, spirituality, uh, fasting, diet, exercise, meditation, breathing exercises. And and I can honestly say my memory now is better than it was pre-anxiety and depression, because I've learned a lot about spirituality and life, living in the present moment, really listening to people, really observing, and not worrying too much about the future. Or, you know, thinking about the past—that's what we were meant to be. We we're meant to be in the present moment. So that—that's nursed me back to health. And you know, you can imagine when uh, this uh, product came to market, I was um, very suspicious because uh, I know a lot about healthcare because I was on Wall Street and you know I used to analyze healthcare stocks mm-hmm. uh, and. I knew that normal vaccines took seven to 10 years for safety data and, uh, and to prove effectiveness and safety, both of which uh, take that, t- that amount of time. Th- this was an experimental vaccine, non-traditional gene therapy uh, that had never been tested on humans. And, and, and I read the literature on the animal tests and they were an abomination. And then this thing was approved in 28 days. They, they got rid of the, uh, you know, the um, control group. I knew it was Operation Warp Speed, so I was highly suspicious of this whole thing from the get-go. And then in early uh, 21, I started hearing anecdotes of people who, you know, were getting kind of uh, sick and or injured or deaths from distant friends and relatives that I hadn't heard before. And then I started reading about sudden athlete deaths, so I suspected the vaccine right away. And uh, you know, I didn't have the data that I have now, but I said to myself, you know, I'm going to look at insurance company results, funeral home results, and And that that eventually led to uh, you know um, uh, excess mortality statistics. But before that, when the vaccine mandates hit, and when I told you about my health and my uh, you know sojourn out of my illness, uh, I'd I'd be damned if I was going to be take something against my will. So that's when I that's when I made the clarion call and I prayed to God to be of service. And through a series of coincidences and events. My message was able to be um, elevated through uh, Dr. Malone and others. And now eventually I have my own kind of thing going with the platform that people want to, you know, I'm known as the excess mortality guy right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I've learned through my own personal experience is that pharma is on the whole, mostly fraudulent. Most of these drugs for years that have been approved by the FDA aren't really all that safe and effective. they have to recall so many drugs every year. Um, the FDA has been wholly captured by the pharma industry. It's 70%, 75% of their, uh, pharma, um, uh, their drug approval pharma arm of the FDA comes from pharma fees directly by the companies. So this has been corrupted for a long time, and it's now exposed, uh, primarily because this is such a large amount of people, you know, it's hard to hide this one. And, uh, Fraud has been going on, I think, for a while. The institution's been thoroughly corrupted. So, you know, once this fraud is un—it's—it's it's unveiled and, and, and it's out there for people to see, but it's only in the echo chamber because mainstream media is still beholden to large, large pharma because of all the ad spend and the government policymakers who made this want this to go away. So there's a giant cover-up going on as far as I'm concerned. The data that I'm going to talk about with you guys today is, is there for the global health authorities to see. They see what I see. And at this point, it's negligence, malfeasance and, and, and a cover up in a crime. And that's why I'm here, because I don't believe anybody has a right to tell me what to do with my body. And I, and I and I can't believe this actually happened. And the numbers I'm going to reveal to you are now a national security concern. And we can talk about that.
0: Sure. Um, I'm deeply appreciative that you were able to navigate your way through the health and recognize early on the healthcare system is designed to actually make you sicker and profit them. And uh, I suspect some of your improvement was related to the fact that you changed your environment. I- I'm assuming when you worked for BlackRock and on Wall Street, you were in New York, New York City.
1: Uh, I was in Boston, but I was in one uh, of those high, you know, high rise oh, towers. Same, never, same difference. Never, yeah. Never, never saw the sun, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's quite a contrast at Maui for sure. <laughs> no yeah. comparison. So that and then the other uh, pa- uh, modalities you mentioned certainly contributed to your improving. So why don't we dive into some of the numbers that you were referring to and uh, exp- explore that for a bit? Well, what, I, what
1: I'm going to do on your show today is basically tell you what I'm going to say to Senator Ron Johnson next mm-hmm. week in Washington, D.C. I've been okay. invited to a round table, uh, a private round table. I will we'll reveal what I'm about to say to them. And then if uh um, it's decided upon by the group of people that I get to speak at a press event the next day, I'll be one of the people chosen, that's yet to be determined, but here's the bottom line. Uh, I'm gonna use data, that's not my data, this is data that's, uh, you know, I, I, we use CDC data early on, but we were then uh, ratified by the Society of Actua- Actuaries and uh, then the dis- U.S. disability data. So group. let me go into group life, group life policies, are policies given to large Fortune 500 corporations and mid-sized companies? Uh, basically, when you onboard to one of these companies, you sign your healthcare form on day one. You pick your health plan, and then you sign your death benefit, and you assign a uh, you name the uh, beneficiary should you die. And it's usually one to two times your salary. Okay, this this uh, this is kind of a joke when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s because you know, you just don't expect to die unless some horrible accident uh, befalls you. You're not, you just, you're not thinking that way. Um, so we never. Once you sign it, you just kind of forget about it. And it's a very lucrative uh, business for the insurance companies uh, because the, the death rates are very predictable. And they've done studies on the group life uh, population, which is a subset. You know, so there's there's the population of the U.S. Then there's the civilian labor force, which is about 164 million. Then there's 98 million they're actually employed and working the group life people are a tiny subset of the 98 million because these are the you know the workers at the the best corporations with access to the best health care uh, uh highly educated and employed which means that you have to have some measure of health to be employed and the only way you get a claim on these policies is is if you die while employed if you quit or fired you don't get this this claim so the industry did a uh, uh some research in 2016 to determine, you know, how healthy is this population versus the general US population. Well, a study came out that I referenced in my book uh that said uh they did like What's the name years? of the book? Uh the name of the book is Cause Unknown: The Epidemic of Uh Sudden Death in 2021 and 2022. Okay. Um by the way, which is a a good Christmas gift for uh, family members that still don't see reality yet. So think about that when it comes out. But in the book, we reference this report. And this report said that uh, in any given year, the group life policyholders die at a third the rate of the general U.S. population. They experience a third the mortality rate of the general U.S. population. So they're just healthy. They're working. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So What happened in uh, 2021 to this group? Well, let's let's talk about what happened in 2020. COVID affected everybody. And the general US population experienced more excess mortality from COVID pre-vaccine than the group life holders. Uh, So that relationship held. Well, in 2021, that flipped. Uh, Ages 25 through 64 of the uh, group life policyholders, as reported by the Society of Actuaries, not my numbers, their numbers, said that they experienced 40% excess mortality. Okay, The general US population in 2021 experienced 32% excess mortality. This is year two of the pandemic with miracle vaccines. Isn't that interesting? So a much healthier subset of the population died at a higher rate than the general population. That's number one. Let's, let's go to a second database. The US Disability Statistics, uh, US Bureau of Labor Statistics, does surveys, they do the employment report every month. They also ask questions about disability. And it's a a survey done about 40,000 phone calls every month and they statistically impute these numbers. So prior to COVID, uh, disability was running around uh, 29 to 30 million for the prior four or five years. That's absolute numbers. Um, After vaccinations in May of 21, there was a trend change and the rate of change uh, shot up. And if you look at the chart, which we don't have here, it looks like it's a basing stock, but then it gaps up and then runs up at a 45 degree angle, which is what it's done. As of September of 2022, uh, there were 33.2 million disabled Americans. That's an extra you know, 4.2 to 3.2, wh- wh- whether you use 30 or 29 million. Uh, that's a three standard deviation rate of change yeah, since May of 21, which is uh, in, on Wall Street, a signal. And that means that uh, 0.03% of the time this occurs. So something happened that was different. And that, happened, that started in May of 2021. Um, let's then look at the numbers for different sets of people in that disability overall number. So we have the overall U.S. population. Since May of 21, the overall U.S. population has, has experienced an 11% rate of increase in disabilities, 11% rate of increase in their disability rate. The employed, which is about 98 million of the 320 we got in the U.S., uh, 98 million experienced 26 point, uh, about 26% rate of increase in their disability rate since May of 21. So. We have two different databases suggesting the same thing. It was detrimental to your health to be employed in 2021, 2022. Remember the disability data is as of September of 2022. Uh, We did this study in June and the numbers actually got worse. So the uh, unemployed rate was 22%. When I wrote my book, it's now 26%, the rate of increase in the disability rate. So something is happening to the most able-bodied amongst us in our country, college students, those employed, those in the military, those uh, frontline workers.
0: Now, let me and, just stop. Can I stop you for a moment the, the the numbers you're quoting that this is the percentage of the total population, the subset of the population, or is that the percentage increase?
1: No. So there's a disability rate. That's the increase in their disability rate. So okay. the disability rate was, uh, I'll just pick a number eight. It went up to 8.7, which translates into a 26% increase okay. in the disability rate. So It's it this is this is just rate of change. And so those who are employed are getting disabled faster than those uh than the general US population. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's more there's more employed people, their disability rate is shooting up much higher than the uh the total US population. That shouldn't happen, Dr. Marcolo. You know this. The employed amongst us are healthier, generally speaking, because you have to have a job to be counted as employed. If you have a job, you tend to be able to show up at work. Okay, so uh, basically the bottom line is this, Um, the only explanation for this that I can see is mandates and vaccines, biological, I don't even call them vaccines, biological inoculations, uh, experimental. Uh, So let's think about this uh, going forward for the next several years. If this is the case, and we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine yet, or the medium-term effects, But I can tell you, one of my whistleblowers told me from the insurance industry that as of August of 2022, the millennial cohort is still experiencing 36 percent excess mortality in the group life holders. So, you know, people in Fortune 500 companies are dying at a much more excessive rate than those who are not employed there. Uh, So this has implications for years to come. It's a national security concern as far as uh, I can tell. And I'm going to say that to Senator Johnson and team that this is national security concern. Uh, we have seemed to have poisoned the most able-bodied amongst us uh, in our country through mandates and, and vaccines.
0: Exactly what you would predict from an engineered bioweapon. And uh, this information is being suppressed. It's, this is not widely known and you've been on a number of podcasts uh, exposing it over the last year or so, but what, what's been your experience with this information getting out there? Well, you know,
1: when I first started coming out, it was myself and Josh Sterling, an uh, ex Wall Street insurance analyst. We were using CDC data. So at the time in March of this year, we were just two dudes on the internet, but no one really challenged us because the data we did was correct. What was what, as we roll through time, the Society of Actuaries, you know, verified and basically said the same thing we said. We said 84% excess mortality uh, into the third quarter of. 2021 side of actuaries basically said the same thing, same numbers. Um, So as we roll through and then we get the disability data in June of this year. So different databases are starting to make our story stronger and our case stronger. And um, I have two gentlemen that started a hedge fund with. We launched what's called the Humanity Project. And there they've analyzed UK data, Eurostat for all of Europe, uh, Germany, they did, just did the U.S. And, you know, the, no matter how you slice it, excess mortality amongst the young has gone up. So in year one of the pandemic, old people die. In year two, shift to younger working folks. So as we roll through time, the case just gets stronger and stronger. Um, my book is coming out. We hope the book, um, the book was pitched to me. I didn't go seeking this. And the, the idea is we put it all in one place and hopefully this thing starts to spread by word of mouth and I start to break through to mainstream media. So that's the goal.
0: The publisher is Skyhorse, and that's a joint venture between them and uh, Children's Health Defense and Robert Kennedy, who wrote the forward to your book.
1: Correct. Correct. And the hope is uh, Senator Johnson has my book. He, he ordered the ebook. So the hope is I get to D.C., my voice is heard uh, and we start to break through. Um, the other thing that's going on is because of our work on my my uh, hedge fund partners' work on vaccines, and uh, the kind of hedge fund we're going to do, it's a global macro hedge fund that uh, predicts uh, you know growth rates of economies, inflation, and we and we express those ideas through um, uh, futures indices of stock markets, credit markets, and commodities. Um, we're going to raise capital. Uh, because our models are going to be able to pick up these uh, horrendous disabilities and population changes. And capital is interested in us. And I've never, I, I've been involved in a couple of hedge funds, and usually we have to go beg for money. Money's coming to us to talk to us, but we're going to be very picky about who we let in the door to be our, our seed fu- uh, funder, because the seed funder gets a 20% of our company. So we're actually interviewing people uh, to see if we have the same value. So Capital is coming to bet on the reality. The reality is most of the globe has been poisoned from, you know, to one degree or another. Some die, some get disabled, some may get disabled later, uh, and some are uninjured at all. But um, this is, this is going to, this is, Dr. McCullough, we're going to be talking about this for the next hundred years, okay? And, and uh, the reason why, you know, we're going to, uh, I want to make a point that we're, that capital's coming to us is money seems to crystallize doubt in people's minds. I have an anecdote. I had a friend here two weeks ago he, he's in, in private equity. He thought I was a conspiracy theorist. He heard about my book, poo pooed it, argued with me. Someone showed him a Bannon video and he was arguing with me and I said, look, Jim, I don't really care what you think. Uh, I have conversations right now to raise capital to bet on this reality that we see. As soon as he heard the word capital, and that it was a real thing he turned ashen white and ran out of there it somehow that broke the spell somehow that broke the spell so i I hope by telling people that money is coming here to us to take advantage of the reality that is going on that it breaks the spell even if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist
0: yeah for sure so I'm assuming you are continually monitoring the statistics and if you are I'm wondering if you can relate the trend line that you're seeing, Has it peaked, is it—is it going up, is it going down? And what, what are your projections for the, for the near-term and perhaps even the long-term?
1: So the CDC numbers, excess mortality is kind of leveled out between 15 and 20% for the general US population. What I told you from an insider is that in the month of August, it was 36% for millennials. Uh, and remember group life folks work for large corporations. So that makes sense. If you're employed and and, and boosters are still being mandated where you work, uh, your excess mortality will tend to be higher than the general U S population because lots of people have choice that are either retired too young to take them or, uh, you know, like you and me self-employed, uh, you know, this, this is the trend and the trend in Europe and the UK looks about 10 to 15 to 20%. If that continues, that's a disaster. Um, just a disaster. 10, uh. The CEO of One America, Scott Davison, said a 10 percent rise in excess mortality uh, amongst younger age working people is a three standard deviation event or a once in a 200 year flood. So that's that's just 10 percent. Uh, he said the 40 percent they saw in 2021 was just unfathomable. And, you know, they couldn't even calculate what that meant. So we're above 10 percent. So we're well above a three standard de- deviation event. And. um you know, what we don't know, Dr. Mercola, is the long-term trends. What I anecdotally, I'll I'll speak to my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I know individuals in their 30s who got this vaccine. Some only got the first shot. I talked them out of the booster. But one of the individuals I know, young woman, 30, got got it in December of last year. Now she's presenting with uh, heart issues now in the month of uh, October. And she's got a heart uh, rate beat per minute of thirty, which, as you know, is you know you, you only have that if you're an Olympic athlete, and even that they only have around forty. So she's got problems, uh, and this is I'm hearing lots and lots of issues with hearts in the, the, the in a lot of my millennial friends' circles that have presented themselves well after the shot.
0: Yeah, the I think the most experts who for, that I'm familiar with that have studied this are agree. That every single person who gets the jab has heart damage. Now, some of them may tolerate it well for a variety of reasons, and some of them are going to die or have died. But every single person is harmed by this, and you can measure that objectively by lab testing. I think troponin levels, which we show elevated in just virtually every single person. So that's no surprise. Uh, I, you know, there, the adoption rate of the newest version of the vaccine, the bivalent vaccine. I understand it's about 10%. So that's like 90% of people aren't getting it. They've come to their senses and realize this is nonsense. Uh, but that may be the good side. But I'm wondering if you can integrate that with the next question is, it's clear the intention of the pharma industry is to launch a lot more vaccines. My, my guess is most of them would be based on the of the messenger RNA vaccine because they grandfather in the... Uh, as they have already with the uh, COVID vaccines, the uh, ability to essentially uh, prove the vaccine because of because it was previously used and found to be safe and effective. <laughs> so they've got not ten, not twenty, not fifty, not 100, 500 vaccines on the back on the back on in development to be released before. The end of this decade so i mean that is i mean they're going to wipe out the whole the whole and a huge portion of the population if this gets lost so what's your take on that uh well i'm working very hard to
1: stop that um right now it, it's you know look if my if we were operating under a normal well i don't know if it's ever been normal my eyes have been opened up but if we were in the 70s this thing would have ended you know in january of 2021 25 yeah, we, guesses, we, we you know, an
0: example of that. That's exactly what happened with the swine flu in 76. Yeah. They shut it, down shut it down after 50 deaths. 25
1: deaths. We got 15,000 plus in bears right now, and apparently that's unreliable, I'm, I'm told. But,
0: yeah, because it's underreported by 40% or 40 times.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, look, there was a mass fear propaganda campaign, and there was also a lot of people who were convinced that for some reason... To get this. And I call it the sunk cost fallacy. And ego, unfortunately, uh, is a bad thing sometimes. And so a lot of people who took this, they didn't really take it for their health. They took it for virtue signaling, tribal reasons. And they wanted to feel superior to other people. There's a lot of people that did that. We know who they are. There's a lot of corporate executives who felt like they were, you know, doing a service to the country and they mandated it for their employees. Um, so there's a there's spell that has to be broken uh, that, you know, you were duped and you were fooled. So ego, I, you know, in my business of investing, ego kills. If you buy a stock and your investment thesis is proven wrong, what you should do is pull the 180 and sell the stock because you're wrong. What I found in my experience with even some of the greatest investors is if their ego was attached to it, they, they would ignore clear evidence that they, the thesis was compromised and even sometimes fraud uh, would be involved in some of these companies, they would continue to buy the stock all the way down and make the analogy that that's what like taking boosters is at this point. Taking boosters for a product that doesn't work at all, doesn't prevent COVID nor transmission, let's say you think it's safe and effective, that's just a losing bet. But now there are serious safety uh, uh, concerns that are proven, so it's literally... Your ego—that's going to kill you—and we call that dumb money on Wall Street. So this is, you know, think of this like a trade. You're the long the vaccine or short the vaccine. Those of us who didn't take it are short. Those who are long have an opportunity to kind of pull a 180 on this and not get boosters. That would be the equivalent of selling stock. Those who continue to get boosters are getting longer the vaccine as as more and more evidence rolls out. So this is this is the greatest. Uh, asymmetric information gap I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it's it's due to a whole host of factors, uh, media blackouts, uh, government corruption, regulator corruption, and ego, people's individual ego. So this is the greatest trade of my lifetime. And what side of the trade do you want to be on? My hope is to convince people to cut their losses and stop taking this thing and then look at ways to heal the damage that's been done. And, you know, the good news is there, there, is, there, there does seem to be People working on protocols to at least mitigate and hopefully reverse some of the damage.
0: Oh, that's that's for sure. I mean, that it is. Well, it's for sure you can treat the illness, co or COVID or car SARS CoV two infection. It's it's less clear that you can easily or readily combat the effects of the jam. I, I'm that remains to be seen. But you know, biology is pretty impressive and if you uh, and resilient and if you provide these simple some some strategies it can it can help recover but some people may be beyond recovery i think because it's such a serious well it's it's not such as it's a serious bioweapon but it's compounded in the fact that it's it it laid on the framework of decades of abuse people abusing their bodies through similar propaganda through eating wrong foods and you know and stresses and such but the foods have a Big deal to do with this and vitamin D exposure and such like things like that. But anyway, um, what do you, you had mentioned that this is going to have an impact on uh, our infrastructure because of the, this disability rate and then obviously the people dying prematurely. So, can you give us some examples of that? And when do you think th- that we'll see the impact of those the, those uh, statistics?
1: So, uh, we've estimated there's a co- like a couple million uh to three million people that have been disabled since this began. You know, the, the the total employment in the US is 98 million. Right now the unemployment rate officially is three percent. And because once you get disabled, you're no longer counted. But let's add back the disabled uh to um that it's around running around six percent real unemployment if you count those people. And why is that important? Because the headline number is, it's 3% unemployment, and we have help wanted signs everywhere. Well, the reason you have help wanted signs is because people who used to be able to work, able-bodied Americans, are no longer able to work. So it's creating shortages. And there's also not complete disability. Some people are sucking it up and dragging their ass to work, but they're also missing days. And a lot of people are calling in and missing days. I experienced that. Anecdotally, last Friday, I had a reservation for a restaurant. My reservation was canceled in the afternoon because staff called in. We didn't have enough staff for whatever reason. Um, I can also talk about what I'm seeing in the supply chain with uh, automobiles. My car was hit um, in July 14th of this summer, and uh, I was at a stop sign. No injuries to me, but my left headlight panel was destroyed and the radiator was damaged. Uh, it took ten days to get a police report because Maui Police Department has staff shortages. Then I called around, and there are uh, shortages of parts all, all across the globe, and the body shops are backed up. So I couldn't even get a tow to a body shop until November. Then I, you know, from July, I, yeah, yeah. Then I couldn't get an estimate so I couldn't get an estimate to give to my insurance company. So I had to do a photo estimate. They that took them about a month to get back to me, and then when I put in the uh, repairs. Uh, my insurance company said, we're going to junk your car. It's a total loss. We'll cut you a check. Now the reason they did that is because they're they're making money off my junk car because they're going to sell the parts. They gave me more money than the blue book value. And I said, okay. Uh, but I was like, how does this work? How does this math work? How can you give me more money than the blue book value? Well, it's because they, they took the car and they're going to strip it down and sell uh, Audi A6 parts. So mm-hmm. This is this this is kind of the glacial beginning. What have I called glacial Mad Max scenario? Goods and services that we used to take for granted are going to start to disappear. Like this delivering food, this Uber Eats that's going to go the way of the dodo bird. There's just not going to be enough people to to fill these jobs. Okay, and it's going to become increasingly more difficult to get things. You know, supply chains are already broken. They're going to become more broken with less people uh, on the margin. And you remember these supply chains are all done. Uh, just in time that was a big thing when i was on wall street oh just in time supply chain super efficient well just in time was uh, algorithmically de- designed to use the least amount of people now you know you just need a couple people to call in sick or disappear everything kind of gets backed up so this this is beginning it's happening
0: but we're in the midst of it and when do you think it'll accelerate in 2023 or stay at the same rate
1: no oh, no i think i think it's going to get worse and worse i think um I think that uh what I'm hearing about the medium term impacts is scaring me. I mean we we should have s- seen uh, because of the uptake in boosters has lessened, we should have seen excess mortality start to you know drop into single digits. It's not. It's still kind of running and trending. And I suspect uh, when the numbers are are in from the flu season uh, this winter. Uh, excess mortality will trend up again because p- people's immune systems are compromised. So, you know, illnesses that would have been easy to, you know, withstand are going to knock some people out.
0: So, as I was preparing for this interview, I uh, wanted to discuss the inc- decrease in life expectancy with you. So, I looked up the report that was published in the New York Times, August 31st of this year. And because I wanted to be sure I was right with the statistics and uh, for those aren't familiar with life expectancy, it's been pretty, it's pretty stable. It has been for decades. And uh, the last two years, it dropped. Normally a drop of a a month or two is pretty extraordinary. It didn't drop a month or two. It dropped three to four years, which hasn't happened in a hundred years. Devastating. The feeling I had when I read that article reminded me of the article I read when I still had a subscription to the print journal JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association. That was in July of 2000, 22 years ago, 22 years ago. I said, I don't know how this thing got printed. It was The, the title didn't say it, but I, I looked at the data in the charts and said, this is crazy. The medical system, the medical physicians and their mistakes are the third leading cause of death, third leading cause of death. And, and I created that meme and it went, went viral in the in the early 2000s. but I had the same feeling when I read this article. so I went to as I said I, I sought to identify the, the source that's always so accurate. And you know what they did I I, I didn't ha- I actually created a slide of it so I had a copy of the slide so I had the exact headline. I typed in the exact headline New York Times it was nowhere to be found even on one of the best, search engines which is great it's, it's the, you cannot trust google it has been scrubbed scrub from the internet it's gone wow so and th- there was like dozens of other stories that had copied it or other sites and when you go to click on these it's gone it says 404. they just God, I, I I was shocked that they published it because it was, it, you know, and they, of course, in the original article, they said, well, this is probably because of COVID, even though the average COVID death is, I believe, 85 years old. So that should theoretically increase the life expectancy, not decrease it because of life expectancy was 79. It went down to 76. So it, it to me, it was just prima facie evidence of the fraud. Uh, but it's been buried absolutely buried which speaks to another aspect that you related, related to earlier is is the obfuscation of the data the, the burying of it so they can promote their propaganda so but i when i read your book i don't recall you referencing this life expectancy issue which totally supports your thesis
1: um no uh, we didn't put that in the book we're just counting the bodies but the, the you know we didn't see. I well, didn't this see. That is this is bodies.
0: This is bodies. I know, but
1: we didn't see. We didn't. We didn't include life expectancy data because you can play. Uh, I, someone came into my LinkedIn and suggested. You know, very very well known mathematician. He said according to his calculations life expectancy is expected to drop in the next five years to 53 years. Now I went to my PhD. Wow. But Well, I, well, hold on. I went to my PhD physicists and said this, and they, they said, be careful with that, Ed, because uh, it's like, it's like discounted cash flows. You can make assumptions uh, on terminal values that can flip it around quite a bit. So, you know, that's why we didn't go anywhere near, um, you know life expectancy rates. We're just counting excess mortality, which is you know harder math. It doesn't require all sorts of calculations and assumptions. So I'm not saying that it didn't drop two years. That sounds reasonable to me. But fifty, you know, five years worth. Well, fifty three. Yeah, yeah that,
0: that may seem extreme. I, I would yeah. doubt that. I don't. I And I, I, I just suspect that was more hyperbole. Yeah, and, and, it, and, and the life you know expectancy data they showed seemed to be. It was. It was. Recorded deaths at the, the analysis they did, and there was absolutely no incentive, a negative incentive for them to to exaggerate it. Well, but, and, and this when was this? So when was this article this was, written, and when was it, it was, scrubbed? It well, it was published in the New York Times. I think they're the primary uh, per, uh, bra, uh, media source for it, and it was published August thirty first of this year, August thirty first. Okay. Some okay, and now and now it's gone. It's gone. It is gone. Wow. It is gone. You you cannot find it. T- you try to type in life expectancy data two thousand twenty two. Unless you know the headline, you can't even find the ones that were scrubbed because you know all these other sites that picked up that that headline that day, posted it. They have now a four or four. You can did, uh, did
1: you did, did you did you ever did you print out a hard copy of this? Uh...
0: I, I, yes, I do. I have, a, which is another issue, you know, because of the suppression and this censorship. The Internet is, the, in my view, one of the greatest inventions ever in the history of humanity. But it's becoming less and less useful because you got you have to know where to go. It's like, you know, you, even if you go to The New York Times, it, it's not on their site. It's not on their site. You you, you can't find it. You, you know, but if you have the title, you can. Find it in an archive site. So there are some copies still floating, but you've got to be pretty literate in right. navigating the Internet to find those. 99.999% of people will not find it.
1: Right. You have to use the Wayback Machine, which I don't know uh, how archive. to use. Archive.org.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, you can find it, but it's there. But, oh, you know, then I, I knew I was right because they they I I was shocked that they let that data out. Well,
1: it must've been an oversight and then there was a rut row moment and uh, some calls were made and that was the end of that.
0: Yeah. But you know, to me, it's an absolute supporting evidence and not evidence, but data that supports what your thesis is.
1: Well, and there's another uh, area of um, data that people want us to look at, which we haven't yet because the data is not as clean That's birth rates. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we haven't gone there yet because we just, Uh, My 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 cohorts looked at the data, and they like clean data, and and so we're not we're not we. What we don't want to do is discredit ourselves by speaking to data that we can't, you know, at least verify. So that's I'm being very careful in what I talk about, and you know, when I go to see Senator Johnson to prove my case, I'm using Society of Actuary numbers, U.S. Bureau of of Labor Department statistics. I'm not using anything from the Humanity Humanity Project website, which just you know is reams and reams of data. I'm just using good old, you know, Society of Actuaries and uh, and government statistics. So, it, and it proves the case. So, the point I want to make is, you know, the data is all over the place in different databases, and there's other interesting data points coming uh, out now. Obviously, I looked at funeral home companies; their results are off the charts. Insurance companies are taking on losses. Well, some people are starting to monitor ambulance uh, calls for uh, for heart attacks, and they're off the hook. Um, and also people are looking at blood thinning medicines, uh, and sales are shooting to the roof. So there's, there's anecdotes, signals, hard data. It's literally at this point, um, a joke. Uh, but I'm just amazed by the amount of people who don't want to look at this because of the sunk cost fallacy, their ego, they can't, they couldn't even fathom that this could happen.
0: Great. So I'm curious as I, to the intention of you writing this book, I know you were, you, it's not something you decided to do. You were encouraged to write it. But the I suspect the intention is, as you alluded to earlier, uh, to wake up the people who don't understand it, to show them the hard data. Uh, right. Is that, is that the primary purpose? Well, so, you know, so I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm a
1: financial mm-hmm. uh, capital markets no. No. expert. Right. So what do we do? What do we do in financial capital markets? We accumulate uh, information and information edges over other people to make decisions on asset classes to make money before everybody else sees the trend change. That's how you make money. I live in the world between perception and reality, and, and timing of that switch from perception to reality. And that's how you make money. Right now, the perception from 90% of the population seems to be this is a safe and effective, and I'm crazy. Well, my data suggests that I'm not crazy. Not only am I not crazy, you're so wrong, it's going to be detrimental to your health. And I walk the book as a journey through how I think. I present the theory of the case, it's simple deductive reasoning. And you don't have to believe me, but you have to ask this question. If, if um, 2020 was so exciting to the media and the health officials, they counted all the deaths with such glee. They're not talking about the excessive death rates we're seeing globally, especially amongst the younger age working folks and, and the employed folks. Uh, there seems to be crickets on that. So you have to ask yourself, if that's not a national uh, security, security concern and the national health crisis, then what is and why the silence? Well, prima facie evidence of a cover-up of my thesis, which is vaccine. So uh, th- you know, th- look at my book as a, as, as a stock thesis. It's my investment case on why I would pitch a stock to you, but instead I'm just pitching you a trade, get out of the vaccine, stop taking them. This is why you're on the wrong side of the trade. And if you don't listen to me, you know, instead of losing money, you're probably going
0: to lose your health and or life. Yeah. And the, your book is not a long book. It's a cr- relatively quick read. Uh, it's yeah. One of the books I could read in, in one setting. Uh, and there's lots of pictures. So you can be entertained and, and educated at the same time. And, you know, picture, you know, flip the page, and you got it. So it's that's quick to read. But uh, it, it, the reason I'm mentioning that is you, you don't have to worry about being overwhelmed by lots of complex statistical analysis is pretty straightforward and you can get the picture and can hopefully convince some of your friends or relatives who haven't uh, understood it from this perspective yet.
1: Yeah. You know, the way I, I've told some of my colleagues, I say, look, you remember on wall street when we would write, uh, I was on wall street, I, I was in equity research. We would write research reports with an investment thesis. And uh, sometimes it would be on a stock or, an in, or a whole industry. And we would write, you know, like what we call a, uh, you know, a uh, a black paper or a white paper on it. And then, you know, if 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 it made sense, we'd get calls, and then people would want to talk to us, verify our research. That's what this book is. This book is basically uh, a sell-side Wall Street guy like myself putting it in, in 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 book form for people to read and decide for themselves whether my side of the trade's right. I, I put it in, in Wall Street, kind of speak, with uh, lots of different databases, lots of different evidence. It's not me. The numbers are the numbers. And you can come to your conclusion. And if your conclusion is that I'm wrong, I'm, I'm open to any explanation that can describe the excess mortality we're seeing post-pandemic, post-miracle vaccines and why it keeps rising. And Denmark is a, is a hallmark case. Uh, my two PhD physicists looked at the Denmark data, which is on our website. And every year since uh, 2020, excess mortality has gone up for the total population. It went up uh, above 2020 and 21 and above 21 and 22. What did Denmark just do in September? They came out and said they're banning the vaccine for those under 50. And in fact, they said, that, you know, without much fanfare, but they said, uh, we'd rather you get COVID than the vaccine if you're under 50, which is Orwellian speak <laughs> for the vaccine kills you more assuredly than, the, than, the, than COVID. I mean, that's, that's what they said without
0: saying it. Yeah. It's, Fortunately, it's not the doublespeak, which is a, an absolute reverse of the truth. They they were telling the truth. They'd rather do do that. So they were, which is kind of surprising, I guess. But I, I guess if you're going to expect it from any country, that's probably the region of the world where you'd expect it first. Certainly not not Europe or the United States or Australia. Um, this is, this is great. Um it's a good book. I think you know it makes a great Christmas present, as you alluded to earlier. The time it comes out, December thirteenth, in print version. The right. ebook is out now, and uh, I don't know. You know, I didn't have. I got an electronic version of your book, but it was huge. It was two hundred megs with all the pictures. So I really yeah, could've... it's it's much better in
1: print format. uh yeah. it, it, and it, it as you flip the pages, it just builds the case. Yeah, slowly but surely and it. There are so many QR codes where you can verify, you know, a, a lot of the, the articles we put in on sudden athletic deaths, you know, there's a QR code. Is this story real? Yeah, it's real. Oh, here's the here's what I say about the Society of Actuaries with a link to their report. Oh, here's what I say about U.S. disability data. Here's a link to the links, there's just links. So you can, everything I sourced, uh, you know, there's a foreword written by uh, Bobby Kennedy. There's an afterword written by Gavin DeBecker. It's a powerful book. Um, it's a book that I hope changes the marginal mind. And what we don't do in the book is we don't get into the who and why. We don't want to assault someone's mm-hmm. worldview. But the data is so compelling. We do say at the end of the book, um, you don't have to believe me, but the, the health authorities, uh, at the very least, the health authorities see what we see and there's crickets about this. There's a cover-up going on and malfeasance at this point. That's it. I mean, that, that a lot of people can can hang on to that without getting into like, you know, other things that may assault their worldview and which they won't believe anyway. So we're just, you know, I'm telling you, we're doing it. We're putting a trade on the trade is short, the vaccine. And if you want to keep going long, the vaccine, you can do it, but here's the data I want to help you, but don't be on the wrong side of the trade.
0: Yeah. Because you're going to pay for the, that, that choice with your life or you know, die prematurely or become disabled, which could be even worse. Yeah. There,
1: yeah. Uh, Dr. Jessica Rose said in an interview with me, and I put her quote in the book, some things are worse than death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the most acute adverse reaction is death. There are other ones that can make your life pretty miserable for a long, long time. And then also make other people's lives miserable that have to take care of you. It's, I mean, the other yeah, thing we family. need to think about with labor Statistics is if there's someone in the house that's disabled severely, the person who's not disabled loses work hours and work weeks taking care of that person, taking them in the hospital visits, what have you. Also, think about the hospital infrastructure that's going to be overwhelmed, especially with the healthcare workers that have, uh, were mandated to take all these jabs. So we're going to have a healthcare crisis, whether you know, you know it or not, it's coming. So and 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 you're not going to have access to healthcare that's such a bad thing that's why i think people need to look at holistic health uh themselves and get as healthy as possible right now i mean if you are overweight lose the weight if you um have uh autoimmune flare-ups from whatever do some fasting just just get some supplements go to dr mccullough's website do 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 what you can outside the medical system because it's not going to be there
0: for you anyway soon really, you know, once you understand that this is a fraud, and, it, and actually the disability portion is not new to vaccines. I mean, we've been dealing this with this for three decades, four decades, since the advent of the vaccines and the development of uh, autism or autism spectrum disorder. I mean, this is was a, a small minority, admittedly, but nevertheless, it's exactly what we described. These individuals are crippled for life and disabled, and they have to be cared for by their family. And uh this the the covid bioweapon has just increased this exponentially and not you know, necessarily autism but the disability component
1: yeah and you know um you know when i was uh, having my children back in 2003 uh four, five, six, um you know my the mother of my children did a lot of research on vaccines and she um she it wasn't an anti-vaxxer but she decided that maybe that's something to do with the amount of them all at once so she timed we spread them out uh we still got them for our kids in hindsight i, I don't believe in it now but right. you know there was all this talk about SIDS, sudden inf- infant death syndrome well i now believe i know what that is that that was since 1986 when the uh, childhood vaccination schedule exploded with that act that gave them immunity um and the money-making funnels that started, uh, you know, after that act and doctors recommending all this. Um, I think SIDS is definitely due to vaccines. Now let's, let's go forward to today. There's a new mm-hmm. phenomenon called SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. Which, yeah, that's a good one. So, you know, look, if you don't believe me and you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, you're watching this for the first time, you just got to you just got to open up your your mind your critical thinking skills this is this is at this point undeniable i'm not a guy that doesn't uh i, I don't shoot from the hip and you know unfortunately i can tell you i didn't shoot from the hip because during the summer of uh, 2021 i had a discussion with my now ex-wife about vaccinating uh, our our teenage children i didn't want it to happen but i didn't have the data i have now the good news is there's no boosters anymore my um The mother of my children said, no more vaccines. So we're done. But, you know, I don't shoot from the hip. Now, I have have all the ammunition I I have now to to open up the trade, the short the vaccine trade. And we're going to raise capital to make that trade. So, you know, if you are a doubting Thomas and think I'm crazy, uh, money capital is flowing towards us to take the bet that you're wrong.
0: Yes. Well, congratulations on providing a great resource to help those who have friends and relatives who still are confused and brainwashed with the propaganda. Uh, but you don't want to push too hard because yeah, brainwashing is pretty effective and you, you know, you you're ultimately your relationship with those people is what matters. And, uh, but if they're open and they need some evidence, some hard data, you've got, you've got the product for it. So I'm wondering, uh, I think early on you were deplatforming and banned from Twitter. Uh, is that correct? I got banned in June on Twitter for citing uh,
1: peer-reviewed papers and mm-hmm. posting CDC CDC statistics that didn't go with the narrative. Apparently, CDC data can can get you banned if it's not you know.
0: Well, not correct. currently. That in the past, because since Musk has actually he reversed that policy that earlier this week. So no, I'm no, still no, off Twitter. I have not been reinstated. Okay, yeah, but he he actually did a poll last week and. and I think it was tens of millions of people who responded and 75% in favor of providing amnesty for for those like you who were banned. So he had said he's going to reverse it this week, but, you know, it's already late in the week and I don't see any of that happening. So hopefully you'll be back on. That's what I wanted to know if they put put you back on yet.
1: No, uh, when I get back on, I'll let everybody know Um, I'm on Getter at at Edward Dowd and uh, my Getter following is about 80,000 people. I get a lot of engagement and activity and people are now taking some of my getter posts and putting them on Twitter. And a lot of my videos are going on Twitter. People are brave enough to risk their account.
0: And I, applaud oh, they, them. They, they shouldn't be risking it now. They, the policy has changed. You can't get correct.
1: Correct. But they were risking it before. And I applaud right. them. And uh, a lot of my getter posts are showing up on other social media, like Facebook and LinkedIn. So people are clipping my getter posts and distributing them the best they can. Um, I also want to say one thing about my LinkedIn page. So, you know, I have LinkedIn and you're able to monitor, LinkedIn is the, um, the job networking uh, social media tool. I've had a profile on there for years. It's one of the only, I don't do Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I only did LinkedIn and Twitter. And on LinkedIn, what's interesting is uh, it, get, it tells you who's view what, what corporations, have, uh, individuals within a corporation have viewed your profile most. And uh, Morgan Stanley's number one. Number two, number two is uh, UBS. Number three is Fidelity. And mm. BlackRock is climbing now. And uh, Bank of America is in there. So financial institutions are starting to pay attention to the crazy man uh, saying something's going on, on here with the vaccine. So I suspect people are uh, silently viewing my profile to see, is this guy real? Oh, he worked at BlackRock. Oh, he's got a book. Things are, things are starting to turn on Wall Street, thankfully, but not fast enough for me.
0: No, I, I don't use LinkedIn, although I have a LinkedIn profile. Is, is it like a social media site where you can post things serially? I, you can post, but I I don't
1: post any of my okay. vaccine stuff because Doctor Malone and Steve Kirsch were banned for doing that.
0: So I don't okay. I don't post there. Yeah, that they, they would do in a heartbeat, no question. Because Reed Hoffman yeah. is totally with the the left. So, it, so the book is available. And uh, should be really, we'll, we'll be launching this interview close to the publication date. So you can be, should be able to get the hardcover within a day or two, if not already available. So uh, again, if it's if you have a, a relative or a friend who is still reflecting on this and needs some hard data, this is the book to get. So any other comments you'd like to make before we sign off? Yeah. Uh
1: just uh yeah the book is cause unknown the epidemic of sudden death in 2021 and 2022 um you know i think it makes a great c- christmas gift for the family member that doesn't see the reality we see and it's it's again it's not um it's coming from a wall street guy laid out as an investment thesis and you can either disagree or not agree but all the stuff that i put in the book is pretty well sourced well not well sourced it, it is sourced and uh, the data is the data and um you know, I don't go into the who or why that's for, uh, lawmakers and prosecutors and lawyers to adjudicate. I'm just, uh, going to bet capital on this. Cause we do that before you know, on my own authority and the people are going to give me money or their own authorities. We're not, we're not waiting around for, um, you know, the world to figure out what we figured out. we put the data out there. We want everybody to know we want this to stop as soon. I want the vaccination program to end today, but I know how the world really works. And, uh, there's po- powers and principalities behind this that uh, don't want this information out.
0: Absolutely. So I appreciate your work and efforts and helping bring this information out to the public so that we can accelerate that process of stopping the program.
1: Yes. Thank you. I agree with you. And, and anything I can do and you, and you uh, just thank you for having me on your platform. I've, I've been following you for a long time and I appreciate you reaching out to me.
0: All right. Well, Happy to support your work. It's important. All right. Well, you you take care. Thank you. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye now.